Productions. Algar Productions. You are listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 300, covering The Voyager Conspiracy and Pathfinder with Caitlin Purdy. Hi, friends. Caitlin's here, because so there must be a 7 of 9 episode. Woo! That's how that works. Yeah, that's pretty much exactly how that works. Hello, I come Caitlin. here for a very specific reason. Yep. You have an agenda. What are you going <laughs> to do when we get to Enterprise and you don't know any of those guys? Weep bitterly. Well, As will we us. all. Yeah. Jo- join us for the weeping. Uh-huh. I'm going to be on a quest for my next Seven of Nine. Well, you're going to think it's the the sexy Vulcan chick on that, but you're going to be wrong. Yeah, you, oh, you, man. It, it's a trick. It's definitely a trick. A ploy to start a war? Uh, this week is one of those weird weeks where we like both the episodes. Yeah. So that's something. It's like four in a row for us, right? Mm-hmm. Which is... Nice. Four episodes. Impressive. I don't know about four of the uh, four of our shows. No, 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 not four pairs, but four <laughs> episodes. Two pairs of episodes. An that, important that's, distinction. That's impressive. Yeah, but I didn't expect that after the after the run we've had. Mm-hmm. So this is a pleasant surprise. Um, and di- and good in different ways, I would say too. Yeah, very different so, ways. Yeah. So, Caitlin, if you would, why don't you tell us what happens in the Voyager conspiracy? Great title, by the way. Definitely my my winner for best titles. Yep. I would love to tell you what happens in the Voyager conspiracy. Please do. Okay. So, Naomi Wildman, coolest space child ever, opens this episode by being adorably interested in games with her favorite nanny, Seven of Nine. Unfortunately for her, Seven is busy installing new Borg technology into her battery chargers without bothering to run this by the captain or the doctor before testing it. After Seven of Nine fires up her super data downloader and tucks herself in for a charge-up, she encounters some frightful discoveries. Seven's data analysis leads her to conclude that that there are roughly half the crew involved in various conspiracies to overthrow or thwart or battle or underwhelm various other schemes and missions and captains. The whole episode is basically Seven saying a bunch of things that she thinks are happening based on all of her data bullshit and then starting a dozen people at a time on wild goose chases in secrecy. No one can be trusted, not even the captain. Over on the B-plot, Voyager meets an adorable alien with a space catapult, and Janeway starts jonesing for the second she sees it. Our intrepid science captain offers to help the adorable alien fix his space catapult in exchange for a free ride. Unfortunately, Seven gets all conspiracy theory about that, too. She buzz kills the captain during her morning coffee and tells Janeway, It's a trap! So Seven continues to research her endless theories, and like most people looking for the evidence they want, she finds more conspiracies, going as high up as Chakotay, Tuvok, and even Janeway herself. Her Spanish Inquisition takes her up against half the bridge crew, and even Tuvok can't take her know-it-allness down a notch. So Seven starts acting like Hal, the most terrifying haywire computer of them all, rattling off enough facts to get people to believe her, and the crew starts causing treasonous drama right and left. 
It's one of those classic romantic comedy scenes when you're just screaming at the TV for everyone to talk to each other because that would solve everything. Instead, it's all broom closet meetings and secrets (laughs) and kicking Harry out of engineering. (laughs) I love Seven of Nine more than anyone in my actual family. And for me to say that this is a very seven-heavy episode, it's kind of annoying as fuck. And that's saying a lot for me. She starts yelling at my favorite baby alien child... And she's crossed the line. Finally, the captain and Chakotay take a look at Seven's new invention she's using on her brain and have an actual conversation, only to realize that they are really stupid and gullible and maybe they should do their own fact-checking. Seven goes full homicidal Borg and tries to run off. Janeway pulls the mommy card and talks Seven through emotional, technical breakdown and brings her baby girl back home with a trust speech. Beautiful. The end. So you did you like this episode or didn't you? That's a good question, Al. <laughs> I liked it. Quit stalling and tell us if you liked it. <laughs> After I watched the end and really thought about it, I liked it. Mm. While okay. I was watching it repeatedly, I think I told you this when we were watching it before, but I watched the middle of this episode several times and then fell asleep and missed the end, <laughs> which is the 100% the payoff. It's all just like a bunch of running around being crazy and then... I missed the payoff three times. So that's probably why this episode annoys me so much, because I had to watch that so many times before Mm -hmm. seeing the end, which is really, really sweet and brings it all home. That's fair. So I like the end. I mean, I, that's typically my favorite part of a Voyager episode, because it means I can stop watching Voyager. Unless unless you have to watch more Voyager. Yeah, that's true. Because sometimes there's a second one. And then it's just like, well, at least I can go to another drink. Yeah, well, I can't, but yes. That you is, can that get is me another drink if you want. <laughs> Drinks all around. When did I become your waiter? I'm not actually Willikins in real life, Matt. You have to be my waiter. I just need a bartender. I, I'm, my Come parents on. are bartenders. I didn't really learn. Come I, on, you I can make know. me drinks and tell me to kill my family in the bathroom. Oh, jeez. Well, come on, Homa. <laughs> yeah, but uh, uh, me and the ghouls was the same. Yeah. What'd you think of this one, Matt? I liked it. Um, yeah. I actually really like watching Seven fall apart in this. Um, yeah. It's a very, I feel like it's a very accurate representation of sort of the way, like, real conspiracy nut jobs kind of work. Well, she starts with a conclusion and then she works backwards and finds evidence rather it's than... It's like, yeah, it's like if you, you have access to all this data and if when, when you have that, you can literally make it mean whatever you want it to. Yep. It's like how stuff like that, um, what the fuck was it called? That Loose Change documentary that was about 9-11 that came out a couple years ago. It's like, okay, I get it. You make a compelling argument. You're wrong, but I can see, <laughs> I can see what you're saying. And it's just, No, and that's, that's what's dangerous about, you know, people like that. Is yeah. Rather than working scientifically and studying data and making a, an objective assessment, you start with a conclusion and then find evidence that backs that up. And, mm-hmm. That's what's going on with her. The thing is, we usually hate episodes where characters are out of character and and just for the sake of this episode, they're they're wildly different. But for some reason, it works here. I don't get it either. Like, there's a, the scene with uh, Chuck and Kate distrusting each other, and they're both mm-hmm. sort of dancing around it because they both think that they're part of different conspiracies that I actually yeah. really like. Yeah, I mean, if if Robert Beltran had shown up a little more, it would have been better, but it was still written well. Well, look, Robert Beltran could always improve. That guy is a straight C-minus. 
<laughs> on a good what day. What is it you called him, Caitlin? A loaf of bread? <laughs> He's always a loaf of bread to me. <laughs> I don't think I've heard that before. Or if I did, I forgot. That is the great uh, way to describe him. Robert, and it's not quite baked either. It's still a little yeah. soft, right? It's still a little doughy. Yeah, Robert it's not, Beltram- not sliced. Yeah. Yeah. Doing the absolute minimum amount of effort. Yeah, but even with that, the writing and and uh, Kate Mulgrew's acting still mm. pulls it off. Oh yeah, and I know this. I know the scene you mean. And what I love is, like Caitlin pointed out in her summary, you have them mistrusting each other behind each other's backs. But the second they're in the same room together and talk, it's done in thirty seconds. Yeah. Hey, are you in a conspiracy? No. Are you? No. Okay, let's figure out what's going on. And I like that because they didn't stretch it on longer yeah. than they had to. That's the last. The last thing I need is for this episode to be about the entire crew turning against each other. Well, it, it could have been a farce so easily. It could mm-hmm. have been a three's company misunderstanding, and that's no fun. And then you have Harry coming in with, like, a big pile of pies. <laughs> Going in one door, coming in another door. Sacre bleu! <laughs> I think that scene, too, is one of my favorites. And it's when the episode turns a corner for me, and all of a sudden I'm like, oh, okay, I'm on board, because you're mm-hmm. solving the problems. You're not just running around being weird. And yeah, I think right. before that, I was just, I kept waiting for them, like, no way are these two not talking to each other like mm-hmm. Janeway and Chakotay talk about everything even well, though they even reminded us in this episode that they have their weird romantic candlelight dinner together <laughs> once a week exactly. or every day or however often they have it mm-hmm. where Janeway and tries isn't that to cook. actually your good thing okay Caitlin sure is I really like that scene and you know it sucks that it's with the loaf of bread, but I love seeing Janeway behind closed doors when she doesn't have to put on her captain pants for her crew, and she's mm-hmm. just, you know, kicking it in her quarters, cooking for her bro, like, yeah. kind of having a good time, and uh, she she just, all the comments, every little thing about those scenes, the one at the very beginning and the one at the very end, I love every little thing that Janeway does. And she makes this comment about slaving over the replicator program for hours. Um, and she like burns her hand on the thing and talks about authenticity. And it's just so cute that she's just like trying to, you know, cook like an old fashioned person, not using mm-hmm. a replicator. And um, I mean, she made it in a replicator, but you know what I mean? And it's just kind of um, mm-hmm. a look into Janeway's recreational side. Yeah. No, I like it. I don't like that it's dark in there and they have candles and it's like got a weird romantic vibe to yeah, it. I, 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 I wish don't want, I don't want you. Chakotay hooking up with anybody, honestly. No, but we know where that's going. But uh, uh, don't, don't make care. me cry about it right now. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> no, they've been they've been pushing like Chakotay Janeway on us for a while. And it's just like, please, no, please stop. But on the like, on the one sense, you... it makes sense for them to hang out because you know. No, hang out absolutely. Mm-hmm. Just not be romantically involved. Just, yeah. That's all. That's Maybe inappropriate. Turn the lights back on. Yeah. Yeah. Let's all take the candles out. Why Have the dinner. <laughs> Why can't you but. just be friends? I just I picture Janeway coming in and the lights are down and like the, there's like sexy music on. It's like it's like Marge trying to uh, trying to tutor Homer when he's a uh, when he's when they're in high school. uh yeah it's uh helps me study not me click see i just i like i'm trying to picture like picard and Riker having a dinner in this same setting it doesn't work like be professional you jerks that's all i'm saying Uh, i made a delightful romantic dinner for you number one <laughs> like Tuvok lights the occasional candle, but it's not for like romance. It's for that's meditation. It's like a religion man. thing, though. Yeah, yeah. like that's because Tuvok is a mom. Yeah, <laughs> he totally, he totally. He is. has a bunch of mom candles. Uh huh. 
I'm trying to, my mind is desperately scrambling for what is like the Vulcan version of Fifty Shades of Grey, and it's just not coming to me. Like, God damn it, Fifty Shades of Sarek, no, Fifty, ah, nothing. It's still Fifty Shades of Grey, but it's a long treatise about the actual shades of grey that are available to one. <laughs> when it comes to S&M, they gray. don't have shades of grey, they just have all black. <laughs> damn. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine um, that Vulcans are kinky as fuck. I mean, they have well, to they're, be. Yeah, out in public, they're very repressed. So, like, in private, when you get behind, like, closed doors, they probably just, like, let loose and go nuts. Damn skippy. Uh-huh. Whereas Klingons are probably super boring in bed. Like, probably. They get all their aggression out on the battlefield. The well, they, yeah. they, we, we know that they're violent, but that doesn't mean that it's enjoyable. Well, no, that's all foreplay. The actual act might just be, like, plain old missionary, like, just for the sake of having kids and then stop, you know? Hump the sex out. has been completed. I'm going yep. to bed now. <laughs> uh, my Feel good free thing. to pleasure yourself if necessary. <laughs> <laughs> I will leave my bat left on the nightstand. <laughs> ah. uh, my good thing. Uh, so early on in Voyager, they did a bunch of stories where they found something that would get them home. And we knew that was never going to happen every single time. It's like, they're not going home to Earth. It's season one. And more recently with this episode and with Dragon's Teeth, they find something that can get them like 5% closer. So those are actual stakes and we don't know if it's actually going to happen. So we're more invested because it's mm-hmm. like, well, this isn't a foregone conclusion. Maybe they'll get a little closer. And in this case, they did. They shaved like five years off their uh, their their trip time, which I think was fantastic. Like yeah. this uh, this uh, space, what, what was it? A, a slingshot. Mm-hmm. Catapult. It's like, yeah, catapult. Thank you. Same, same principle, though. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, the idea is they would be, like, shot past warp or what. I don't know how it fucking works. But the point is it, like, got them home a little faster. And, like, I like that. I yeah. like that the thing that's that they want in the episode is a real thing that we're not sh- definitely sure they're going to get or not get. So we're interested in the outcome because we don't know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. It's, a nice, nice. Uh, it's a nice It's a nice way of avoiding the Gilligan's Island problem without, yeah. uh, you know, without ending the, ser- the series. Yeah, like exactly. it, 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 it feels like we're actually accom- they're actually accomplishing things, but you know. Yeah, and so now they're like it's only like fifty years to home, whereas they started out as like mm-hmm. seventy five because Cass got them a little closer, and something else got them a little closer, and yeah, like every now and then they shave a little time off. Yeah, which is nice. Um, that said, though, it is a it is a catapult, and at one point in all her conspiracy theories, uh, Seven says. Yeah, you're you're gonna use uh the that thing to bring Starfleet guys to the Delta Quadrant. Like, I don't think a slingshot can pull things from, or not a slingshot, a catapult can pull things from other places. The idea is that that once the catapult fires, they can use the scoop to scoop up some ships and then sort of pull it back with a rope. Yeah, but the scoop is in the Delta <laughs> Quadrant. It shoots them to the Alpha Quadrant. The scoop doesn't go with them. Seven. Yeah, I have some problems with your plan here. I mean, Sounds many like of her conspiracy theories bullshit. were nonsense, but yeah, that was that was especially nonsense. Like, if you're using the metaphor of a catapult, then it can only goes one way. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, no, I liked I liked that, and I liked the the alien dude that uh, dolphin man the thing. Dolphin man, dolphin man. Now that you all say right. that, I can totally picture him with a dolphin face. Yep. Yeah, all right. He's Dolphin Man. He's really cute, maybe. I think dolphins are cute. That's why I thought he was so cute. That might be it. He was adorable. I thought his makeup made him adorable. It looks like he's always really happy and smiling. Also, he's got sucker fingers like a frog. Yeah. He also does adorable. Have that. He's frog dolphin. Just like 
Just like the weird koosh ball thing from the next episode. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do you know what yeah, I'm talking about? Yep. It's like it's like if you threw Dolphin Man at the wall, he would stick and then sort of work his way down. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like and a wacky wall noises. Yeah. You know, if you throw him or if you shot him out of a catapult, which he has access right. to. Mm-hmm. And then he could then somehow take the catapult back to where it came from. I Sure. I don't know. That's what Crazy Seven said. With, anyway. his, with his catapult return spray. Right. <laughs> it's a good thing I brought this boy wonder. <laughs> I liked I I really did like Seven's crazy like like I wonder if that was meant to be nonsense though. Like she went full Mulder in this I thought. Oh yeah. With her wacky bullshit. I like that. Mm-hmm. All she's missing is Scully rolling her eyes. Yeah, she didn't she's usually the Scully rolling her eyes. Mhm. Yeah, I think that's the only reason like this episode was hard for me is like Matt said like Seven was kind of breaking down. Yeah. And I don't think I ever really fully understood that until I saw the end of the episode. Mm. And uh, that was just like hard for me to watch because like I'm so invested in her character. Oh, yeah. and so obsessive about every little freaking tiny thing that she does that like well, watching it- her break down is super hard for me because like she is the reason I watch the show mm-hmm. and I don't I want her to be like okay and I'm all like are you okay I just want the doctor to look at you and where's the fucking doctor it felt like it felt like they were doing an, like a very special episode where like seven smokes weed for the first time and gets really paranoid gosh that would have been hilarious if she smoked weed and then everyone's like intervening, like, wait a minute, you're, you're being a little too, not everyone's not after you. It's okay. I'm I am not. so excited. Yep. Um, Kayla, what was your bad thing? Um, my bad thing was kind of the premise of the show. Fair enough. Um, for me personally. Well, somebody's plugging something into their brain again. <laughs> yes. The fact that Seven, who is constantly in with the doctor getting her cortical implants updated and uploaded and checked on and having her Borg technology checked out. She's constantly with the doctor and they're constant. She's constantly checking on or he's checking on her. And so the fact that she did this update, Mm. whatever remodulation of her um, brain, basically Mm -hmm. by what she's plugging into without consulting the captain, without consulting the doctor, without asking anybody like, Hey, just run a freaking diagnostic on me after I do this thing and make sure it's working correctly for somebody like seven to do that for me is just like, it seems really out of character, but at the same time, really in line with what Voyager keeps doing every 10 seconds. Well, we just had like, I like four episodes ago, we had Tom plugging himself into a like mental interface for a shuttle that he wanted to fuck. Mm -hmm. And like, people are doing this all the time and i said it then and i say it now like there's no like protocols there's no like like step where someone monitors you like spot me i'm gonna do something stupid keep an eye on me make sure it doesn't go wrong nobody does that it's like nobody and like al i'm pretty sure you're gonna back me up on this one don't do weird crap to your brain (laughs) yeah no thank you ever no Oh, this but ship if you're, interferes, it interfaces directly with your brain. No, thanks. That sounds like but it would be a bad thing. At the very least, have someone monitor you. Mm-hmm. Like like uh, Caitlin says, the doctor, her best friend. Yep. Oh, I'm going to use this thing to download tons and tons of data into my brain every night. That sounds like it could be a problem. Let's maybe keep an eye on that. And then yep. she, she doesn't even tell anyone she's doing it except Naomi until mm-hmm. after she already did it. 
That's yep. A, yep. bonkers to me. Like, Although, I work for the government. Said, they have protocols for recycling paper. Like, yeah. Not to say that they're no. not cutting corners on this ship like they do all the time, breaking the rules right and left, but still, like, when it comes to safety, you would think she would at least be like, eh, maybe, maybe I should have somebody. Just look at me. Nah, nobody else in Starfleet ever, like, cares about this. Why should I? <laughs> but I, I, th- all that said, though, I will say nothing went wrong. Like, it, hap- it, it functioned exactly as designed. Mm-hmm. What, she, uh, what she underestimated was how well she could handle it, which yeah. I really liked. Like, I'm so sick of them trying some new experimental thing and it failing, going wrong mm-hmm. somehow, or being tampered with by aliens or something. That didn't happen this time. She just stuffed 50 pounds worth of information into a 10-pound brain, and it didn't fit. Yeah. That's, that was the whole problem, and I like that. I like that the problem was inherent in what she was doing and not some extra thing that went wrong. I like it, too, because it puts the responsibility of stepping back on her shoulders. Like, you've yeah, she gone overstepped. too far. This was all her fault because right. she she thought she could handle it and she couldn't. Well, and that's a she very seven too close to too. the sun. Yeah, it absolutely. Yeah, it absolutely. Is. Like, I love seven, but she there's a there's a, 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 a smugness there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Or at least just like overconfidence. Yeah, for sure. And I love it's like, it. Listen, I'm clearly the smartest person on this ship. I could do anything. Hold my beer. (laughs) It's true, usually, though. And so this is cool for her arc in that, like, she just got checked for probably the first time that she's ever been checked, other than getting pulled from the whole collective thing and that being Mm -hmm. hard for her. But she's never been checked as far as what she is capable of doing, because even when she was severed from the collective, it sucked for her and she got humbled by that. But she was still capable of it. And this Mm -hmm. is the first time that she's ever encountered something that she simply... It's, it's cute that you think she has an arc like this is going to matter next week. This show doesn't care about that. <laughs> I wish it did. I really do. I w- what you're saying is great if they paid attention to any of that. But next week, she's going to forget she ever did anything like this and probably do it again. Probably true. But I would say Seven of Nine has a bigger arc than a lot of people on that show just because she actually goes through a physical and emotional transformation. Like, But... I mean, you're, I, I also kind of write a lot of fantasy into that a little bit too. So fair enough. <laughs> Some I mean, of that not, might be in my head. You're you're not entirely wrong, but the thing is, a lot of character growth happens that they then forget the next week. And my bad thing kind of ties into that. Balana specifically, she's still a Borg racist after all this time. Mm-hmm. Like every time someone says seven of nine and something, well, it's probably because she's a fucking Borg. Man, Bell, back off. Mm-hmm. I mean, I get some people never overcome stuff like that, but she hasn't budged an inch. And, like, it, it's really annoying. And, like, most of these characters are kind of moving forward a little bit. Balana's been running in place with this angry thing for, like, she season really after has. season. I, and it's like, what is going on, man? I would have noticed if she had been, in like, doing anything lately. But, I mean, like, hasn't been a whole lot of Balana stuff going on lately. That's true. That's just the luck of the draw. Mostly we haven't she had a hairy episode up with her either. crimped hair and grumbles. Yeah. Crimped hair and grumbles. What's funny coming from her, too, is that she's the only Klingon on the ship. Mm-hmm. So, like, for her to be Borgist is kind of seems strange. Like, if, if it was from a human, I would expect it more, I guess, because you're kind of elitist and you're like, oh, yeah, we're mostly all humans, except for mm-hmm. these co- handful of people. But for her, race. it's like, well, she's also the yeah. only have Klingon person or mm-hmm. the only Klingon person at all represent the only representation of her race. So like, yeah, how would she feel if people were making Klingon jokes right and left and stuff? 
I also feel like she doesn't really think about that that much. Like, she probably doesn't think of herself as Klingon. No. Like, because she's kind of ashamed of it, you know? That's true. I think she doesn't think a lot about herself, if that makes sense. Like, she doesn't really think about her origins and stuff very much. She's really reactive. She's not very thoughtful. Self-reflection. Yeah. 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 But I also think she's a bit self-hating, and we've Mm. seen that before. She's one of those people who, if she could pass as human, she totally would, and just never acknowledges she was Klingon. Mm -hmm. That's that's just a thing. I'm sorry, my Klingon half was yelling at you again. (laughs) And it's a subconscious thing, too. So, like, maybe she really does see herself as human. Yeah, could be. Uh, Matt, what was your bad thing? Uh, I do not appreciate Seven yelling at Naomi Wildman. We love you, but that is a bridge too far. I expect a written apology notarized by the captain. But that wasn't actually a bad thing. It made the episode more emotionally engaging because she did that and made you mad at her. No, it was a bad thing. (laughs) No one should ever yell at that beautiful little baby child. It was a bad thing and she should feel bad. You you guys know how drama works, right? Like when characters do things that are uncomfortable or, or, or you know, like create tension, that sometimes means good drama if it's done well. Alice, the people who make this show don't know what good drama is. Why should I? I suppose that's fair. <laughs> here, here. The whole point of getting angry at Seven is because she did that bad thing. And we can say, wow, something must be wrong because she's yelling at Naomi. Who would do that? No one. No one is allowed. I think exactly. that's the point in the show, too, where you're just like... You're broken. Whoa. You're broken. Yeah. I like that, though. I like that they didn't fuck us around too long with actually thinking there was a real conspiracy. They maybe did that for like an act, like maybe 10 minutes at the most. Well, and then yeah, it was like, cause... then she had another theory and another one. And then she starts yelling at Naomi. And it's like, OK, she's clearly crazy. It's not that we're meant to believe that Chakotay was had this elaborate plot since the pilot. It's not that at all. It's, <laughs> Nothing Chakotay has done has ever been elaborate. No, he has no plan. He's the Cylons. <laughs> Uh, whatever the captain thinks is best. Yeah, sure. Whatever. I'm a loaf of bread. Uh, put butter no on jam. <laughs> No jam. No jam. Alright. Anything else? Mm. Um... Did, did anyone else really want this episode, the, the end of this episode to have Seven on the Delta Flyer wearing a hat made out of tinfoil? <laughs> that would have been like, hilarious. When she's in full-on rant mode? Yeah, that would have been good. I I thought you were going to say carrying a bindle because she's running away from home. That would be fine, too. Also good. Like packing up all her possessions and wrapping them in a blanket and tying it to a stick. No, they're in a radio flyer wagon. Ah, of course. Well, I mean, that's what the Delta Flyer is named for in the first place. Yes, of course. I really love that final scene. Mm -hmm. I thought it was like so incredibly sweet and really a testament. This whole episode is a testament to, to Jerry Ryan's range. In, oh yeah. In general. Oh yeah. A lot. A lot of this, like, it should have been a shitty character acting out of character episode, but a lot of it was carried by her acting. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, I, I, the only reason I dislike this episode is because I'm like, oh, this person that I just love and adore and is, I think is perfect is having like a crisis. But like, she mm-hmm. is having this beautiful moment with Kate, and Kate is just like, she's mad. She's pissed. She's like what the fuck and at the same time she's like i love you baby girl mm-hmm. and she yep. just like has these like soft-spoken words of care and love and appreciation for seven and it's like come home with me and seven has these moments where she's just like losing her freaking shit and and she hears that still small voice and she comes home and i think it's beautiful and it's, precious and it's it makes a really me sweet scene feel uh, really it's happy. captain mom mm-hmm. i mean it, it, mom. we don't say that in a bad way it's in a good way yeah she's totally captain mom and yeah, that that's that whole scene in that in the Delta Flyer is just it's beautiful. And 
And Seven of Nine goes from insanely agitated of like, this is all about me. Like, you are my enemy, specifically to me, and goes all the way back to, you know, I love you, mommy. Yep. Precious. All right. Thanks, Anything Captain else? Mom. Not to be confused with Major Dad. Right. No. Totally <laughs> uh, Caitlin, you got a quote for us? I do have a quote, and it's my wee little baby child. Guess who assimilated three books and ten reports in two days? Naomi Wildman. That's correct. Well, she's great. Yup. You can always count on if there's a shitty episode, but Naomi's in it. At least, well, at least that part's going to be good. Mm-hmm. All right. Pushing forward now to an episode that I think we were all kind of surprised we liked. Uh-huh. Matt and I said this to each other yesterday, as a matter of fact. How dare you be good? Uh-huh. Uh, Pathfinder. Pathfinder. Take it away, Matt. All right, so meanwhile, back on Earth, ex-holodeck addict and kind of creep Reg Barkley has called legit Enterprise D-slash-E crew member Deanna Troy to his gross apartment on Earth for a free counseling session and also to behold his gross cat. Reg has been working on contacting Voyager, lost in the Delta Quadrant, and he's also been spending a lot of time on his holographic version of Voyager, (laughs) where he's everyone's best friend. Oh, Reg. Reg, 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 you'd come so far since you and Chief O'Brien battled werewolves on the Enterprise. Has it all been for naught? Yes, it has all been for naught, as Reg has become increasingly obsessed with contacting Voyager via message sent through a micro-wormhole. His superiors are worried about him, Deanna's worried about him, hell, his shitty cat is worried about him, and cats are assholes who hate us. (laughs) In a meeting with Admiral Paris, Reg speaks out, offering the Admiral a chance to yell at his son from across the universe. Reg's boss takes him up, takes him off the project, though, because, well, let's be honest, it's Reginald Broccoli Barkley, the least stable guy in the fleet, who then proceeds to break into his lab and actually fucking contact Voyager, an incredibly moving scene involving Admiral Paris. It's kind of a huge payoff for the series so far, and then Reg goes home, successful, to his cat, his counselor, and an army of bloodthirsty mummies that I'll probably write about the next time an episode of Voyager is really unwatchable. That is a deep callback that 95% of our listeners are not going to remember. That, that is time true, that but I don't He fought care. werewolves with Chief O'Brien, yep. and it didn't actually happen. Just, yep. just want to clarify that for everyone. My absolute favorite episode of the series. Of any Star Fair Trek enough. series, really. Which never actually happened. I mean, or did it? No, it didn't. Hang on, Mouse Cat yelling at uh, me for all of the, all of the mean things I said. I was going to say, that cat in the episode wasn't especially gross. I mean, Caitlin and I were talking about how pretty it was, as a matter it's of fact. It's too pretty for its name, that's for yeah, sure. Yeah, it's called Neelix. That's probably why you thought it was gross, because it was called Neelix. Gross cat. Although Not gross. And although, his apartment wasn't gross either. Like the real Neelix, I'm sure he licks his own genitals. Yeah, probably. But, I'm licking yeah. my own genitals. Yeah. He'd be heard to say. <laughs> No, he'd probably say, oh, like he'd talk while he was doing it. Oh, God. Ah, this hair will end up in a really good soup I'm working on. The ah. visuals. The visuals. Yep. And let's not forget our friend Nate once drew uh, Neelix nude for us. Oh, yeah. For a oh. look at Neelix's uh, accurate penis. Uh, yeah, we put it on our Tumblr somewhere. You yeah. might have to go back a few pages, but it's there. Yeah. Uh, I really like this episode, and I'm, I'm just going to jump to my good thing. Mm. I'm often a fan of the show breaking the formula and trying something different. Like, sometimes it sucks. Like, remember 1159 where they went back to the 21st century? Like, like Bob Janeway and 
some oh. lady in her station wagon and like that was like what is this that oh has nothing yeah to do that anything. was not good oh geez yeah but but this one really worked for me we spent three quarters of the story with barkley and we didn't see the real voyager crew like we saw a hologram version but we didn't see them till near the end of the episode but everything that happened actually mattered unlike that time we followed the fake goo voyager for an entire episode like they took a chance by setting the whole action of the episode somewhere else with someone else mm-hmm. but it still mattered it still impacted these characters it, it had a direct impact on what they're going through week mm-hmm. to week and it wasn't the same old tired character a discovers situation b starts acting out of sorts blah 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 like every episode like it was unique it was it was a whole different thing but at the same time there's a little bit of fan service because hey here's barkley and oh shit here's counselor troy more importantly like, yeah which i feel like is going to get lost because most of this is about reg but mm-hmm. he's because this is a guy with a lot of problems he's telling his problems to his shrink who is hey one of our favorite characters from before and who is hey not getting paid for this isn't she oh not not for counseling she's off the clock i know that much (laughs) they don't have money anyway matt he invited her over for some ice cream under false pretenses also i should take that back not one of our favorite characters she we wanted her to be one of our favorite characters she never quite was also by the way uh, Counselor Troy is back on a on a TV series for five seconds and has already offered a dish of ice cr- of chocolate ice cream. Counselor Troy has a chocolate mother. Well, in fairness, he says that's one thing I know about you. Like he mm-hmm. actually says that because that is the only thing anyone knows about Deanna Troy is that she likes chocolate and she has problems with her mother. Yep. Those are the only two things. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. But no, I I I liked that. Even though it feels like an episode that shouldn't matter because it didn't take place on Voyager, it's hugely important to Voyager. Yeah, it that is. Was cool. Like that, the, the end of this episode, and Caitlin, this is your good thing. Like, I, I think is like this is su- the 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 reveal of Voyager actually talking to to uh, Starfleet is such a big deal. Oh my god! Yeah, it's so compelling to me. Like, mm. I almost cried during this scene. And it was very sweet. Yeah. And I was like, I was jonesing for it the whole episode. I was like, oh my God, they're going to contact Voyager. And, and the whole time too, it was, you know, same as you said, Al, like the fact that somebody is out there trying to find these guys while Mm -hmm. they are trying to get home. Like it just really, it like brings it all home that like people miss these guys. Like there are people on earth missing these people, trying to find them, trying to find a way to get them home, trying to find a way to communicate with them, desperate to find them. They've got family members, they've got loved ones and those people are still out there. And it's not just these people in the incubator on Voyager. It's Mm -hmm. also everyone that they love that's missing them. And so it's kind of like this really sweet like sense of desperation that Reg has, even though he doesn't really know these people because he's a little off, but little. he's desperate. And I'm sure that there's other people that are desperate and share that desperation of, I need to see my son. I need to see my wife. You know, what mm-hmm. is Tuvok's family saying? It just, it makes you think of all those uh, people that they left behind. And we don't see that really at all in the day-to-day life of Voyager of them talking about home very often talking about specific loved ones, talking about things they miss. Mm-hmm. We don't see that mm-hmm. much of that. Yeah, no. And, and it's, I thought it was a good choice for a long time to not show that deliberately. Absolutely. And so that when we finally do, it's, it's much, it's a much bigger deal. And I think yeah, it it's like very powerful. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Matt, what was your good thing? Uh, this episode, which focuses on Reg Barkley should not honestly be this good. 
Um, I have extremely <laughs> strong feelings on Reg. He's a really important character to me as the mentally broken guy who still has a place in Gene's ideal future. Um, I've talked about this a lot as he's shown up over the years. Um, yeah. And he's occasionally taken a turn in the unlikable area, and that definitely happens at the in this episode quite a bit. But at the uh-huh. end of the day, like, Reg means a lot to me, and he's just really good in this episode. Like, I love the obsession, like, I love how he accident, sort of accidentally falls into um, the hologram addiction again. Like, I love his obsession with this. I'm less a big fan of him trying to make Voyager love him, but I get it. Yeah, he's, he, like, this is why I've always taken issue with the idea of a Mary Sue being a gendered thing, because he's totally a Mary Sue here. Mm-hmm. Like, he is the hero he is the one that is the best at everything and everyone is his friend and they all love him. Well, that's the thing. For no not, goddamn reason. Yeah. It's, yep. That's the thing. He wants to be the Mary Sue. Like, he wants to be the big hero. He wants to, like... Yeah. And, all, and like, the only way he can deal with, with people is by making them, like, puppets that do whatever he tells them to. Like... I will say he's probably improved a little in that he doesn't appear to be trying to fuck any of these people. No, that is true. And... The, that we know of... Well, that we 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 didn't see that, mm-hmm. so I think probably <laughs> it that. didn't happen. But yeah. there's definitely there were definitely no scenes where all of the attractive people on the crew went up to him and went, "Oh, Reg, you did." No, the doctor such... did that a few weeks ago, and it was yeah. creepy. Oh, and Reginald, also, and also made goo goo eyes at Neelix. Let's not oh, yeah. forget about that. That's a thing that happened. Uh-huh. But no, I like I I do like that he's not quite over it yet, and I like I I don't understand why he's still allowed in a holodeck. I I mean, you know, you sort of can't really I don't I feel like you can't stop that somehow. Sure you could. You could I totally feel like you can restrict access. Yeah. I feel like that's just like a whole key code thing and then you're done. If you've been if you've been diagnosed with hologram addiction, you are not allowed to use mm-hmm. our, the work holodex. If you buy one at your house, that's your own problem, but like <laughs> But the work holodeck like you should not be allowed to use if you have uh, addiction problems. For I, I, sure. And I also love why he fell off. Like, there's a great scene where he's talking about to Deanna about how, like, he left the Enterprise and suddenly he's got nothing again. You know, yep. like he he spent all like he spent all these years actually building up like a friendship with Jordy and Data. And uh, I don't know that he was ever friends with those guys, but at least professionally respected. There you go. You know. Yeah. Like I, I, I'm sure he at least had lunch with Jordy occasionally when Jordy couldn't get out of it, and Data would have, yeah. Data will have lunch with anyone, honestly. Oh sure. No, the thing is, I feel like he might have made some some friends on his level, mm-hmm. but I don't think he was ever friends with Jordy. I think Jordy didn't like the guy. <laughs> but um, no, I just and then like you know you get back to Earth, you you go to Earth to and uh, presumably to do a, a job that's more suited to whatever the fuck he's good at. Well, I got the impression that the Enterprise was just between assignments. That's mm. why Deanna was there, too. Oh, uh, that might... Okay. Like, they're not always... Like, you, they were going home all the time mm. anyway. And they probably found Data's head again or some stupid, you know, whatever. Like, hey, we found Data's head again. Oh. Or somebody, like, somebody else killed a guy and they had to go figure that out. Like, we're always going back to Earth for one reason or another. Uh, we forgot that Wesley well, think- killed a guy. Yeah. I think he says he's been in that apartment for two years, but at the same time, yeah. if you're taking short missions, I imagine you'd keep your lease, you know? Like, yeah. if you're not yeah, you going go on... Something. Yeah, 
yeah. If you're not going on a five year mission and your parents are dead, then you know, you know, might as well just have your own place. We don't have we don't yeah. all have access to the Picard vineyards. <laughs> exactly. That's true. For some good we high quality all... old man mud wrestling. Yeah, I was about to say we can't all go mud wrestle with our elderly brother when we whenever <laughs> we feel like it. <laughs> oh wait, no, Among that, the oh, I forgot. That guy burned to death. Oh yeah. Oh. He sure did. <laughs> Sorry, Picard's family, you all burned to death. Never forget, Robert Picard died in a fire. <laughs> Along with Rene Picard. <laughs> the vineyards. Yep. Yeah. That's what you're concerned about? Not that Not that poor little... You know, it is actually sad, Matt. I don't know about that. <laughs> oh, but you cri- but you cried when Tom Paris's horrible dad, who was George Costanza's boss, talked to him on the phone. Yep, I sure did. That's Fair different, enough. Al. I'm complicated. Okay. I did like that they didn't shine a huge spotlight on Tom Paris and his father issues because mm-hmm. that they've beaten that drum way too many times, oh, yeah. and I feel like I'm glad they didn't focus on that. It was there. It wasn't, I'm disappointed in my son. There was no, from Tom's side of the story, like, oh boy, I got to talk to this guy now. <sighs> it was it was just on the level of, oh my God, I get to talk to my dad again. Ugh, I don't want to like talk to my dad. I think that's why it was so good. Because like yeah. for me, I was totally expecting that. As soon as that scene started, I was like, oh, there's going to be some like weird, uncomfortable thing with Paris. And instead it was like, yep. you know, uh, Janeway was just like, he can hear you. And then he's just like, yeah, he I love you. Spoke. I miss you. Come yeah. home. Yeah. Yeah. Like, no, I, I honestly kept, kept, kept Thomas. <sighs> yes, Admiral. So you lost a <laughs> ship, huh? Yeah, you were the one driving. You're the you're the navigator. How you the know, fuck is that ship in the Delta Quadrant? You know, this is just like when you lost the keys to the car. I can't. <laughs> I really can't count on you for anything, Dad. Really, in front of the whole crew. Well, maybe they'll learn what kind of man you think you've grown up to be. <laughs> also, he doesn't call him Dad. You had it right the first time. He calls him Admiral. Yeah. Even at home, yeah. even at like Thanksgiving dinner, he's yes, admiral. Ad- yes, admiral. Damn right. You will salute before you pass the salt. I think this whole episode, though, that's what made me really like. I loved Admiral Paris the whole yeah. time, and I think the whole time too. Like, I just I felt like a huge compassion for him, mm-hmm. and I felt really compelled by him, even though he's only doing a little bit. But he never comments on any of the, you know tainted past that him and his son have at all it's always just you know i have a boy on that you know my son's on that ship so Mm -hmm. you don't get to say that nobody cares about them and then they are they are still looking for the ship it's still also like yeah he's got a personal like investment in it but it's also about we lost one of our ships and we need to get all of those guys back yeah right but he just he never like he never makes it a thing about everything paris has made a thing about it so all we see from him is just you know this oh, he kind seems of like a very, nice guy. Yeah. This like which, which makes me wonder if Tom's issues with him are all perceived by Tom and his dad is just fine. Or, you know, he could also easily be the Admiral is a fine person to everyone who is not his good-for-nothing uh, Yeah, maybe. Maybe. But I like my theory better that Tom is just blowing it all out of proportion and everything's just fine. I mean, that's a very Tom Paris way to go about Exactly. It's all his perception, and, mm-hmm. and this is actually a very reasonable guy, and all his friends are jealous because he had the nice dad. <laughs> I'd imagine it'd be one of those that. scenarios where it's like, my dad's always working, 
and yeah, he has this really important job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I don't see him that often, and also I'm a screw up. So. Yep. And the cat's know. in the cradle and the silver spoon. <laughs> no, the cat's in jail. Don't forget that. <laughs> Never forget, Tom Paris is in prison. <laughs> He's hardcore uh, like that. Yep. Um, what was uh, your bad thing, Matt? Uh, Reg having his own version of the Enterprise poker game with the fictional crew of Voyager might be the saddest fucking thing I've ever seen in my entire life. I really like that, actually. I don't know if it was an intentional callback to the Enterprise, but it really feels like it must have been. Yeah, probably. I like, I just, I like his, like, okay, on the one level, it's terrible, but on the level of I enjoy watching Mm -hmm. it. I like that he had this fantasy world. I like, and we'll get to this in a minute. I have problems with his portrayal, but I do like how he completely changes when he talks to his fake friends and he suddenly has confidence and he's not stuttering and he's not like, he's like, yeah, hi everyone. It's I'm like Rich. he's the guest. How you doing? It, it, he's the guest star of his own life who wants to be a main character. Right. But I, I like, the, I like the shift in his posture and his demeanor mm. and his, in his like uh, delivery, like everything changes. Because they're all his friends and it's cool and everything. It's it's it is sad and pathetic and terrible. But mm. on the other hand, part of me can relate to being awkward and uncomfortable around people, and then being in a situation that you control completely yeah. and being completely confident. Mm-hmm. Like we all have something like that, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's a hundred percent me. Like in my head, mm-hmm. I am so suave and professional. And like the bee's knees. Oh, and then man. when it's I actually like. meet human beings in the real life, I can't make words come out of my mouth. Mm-hmm. Or I speak gibberish and forget people's names and have sweaty palms and frizzy hair. And, you know, fantasy life is a lot easier to navigate. No, and it was a nice continuation of something they started with him. Like before, it's mm. it wasn't exactly the same thing they did before. It it applied. It was a new situation. It was sort of an extension, of, like an evolution of that storyline. But my bad thing, the writing was actually top notch. Like the everything Reg did, I totally understood and and sympathized with. But I still do not love the way he plays him at all. It's way. Too, it's like the actor has never seen someone who suffers from anxiety and is playing like a cartoon version. You know, like yeah. in old movies when people will play cartoon drunk. Mm-hmm. Or they'd be swaying and hiccuping, and you're like, I have never seen a drunk person like this in my life. What is this? Like, it's like that. He's not, like, it's awkward and broad and painful. Like, this was a good script that could have been a great episode if he could just dial it back a little. Like, don't play it normal, but you're playing this exaggerated cartoon, like, it's so irritating. Yeah. And I guess he's locked into those choices now, like, from before, but... Performances can evolve. Most of these actors started out playing their characters very differently than they do now. And Mm -hmm. he could totally change the way he does this to make it, you know, easier to watch. It actually would make a lot of sense for a lot of that to be gone now, because he's supposed to have been getting better. Yeah, a little socialized, but still awkward. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's been a good chunk of time for him to at least kind of get comfortable to a degree with his job and the people that he's surrounded with immediately. Mm -hmm. One of the things I really liked was his boss... Like, his boss had no reason to shoot down his idea other than he didn't want him to do it. Like, yeah. it posed no danger to the station they worked on. It it didn't, like, use up resources or put anyone at risk or anything like that. He just didn't want to do it. And I kind of like sometimes, like, and all three of us and plenty of people listening, too, have dealt with anxiety in one form or another. Mm-hmm. And, you know, 
you want everyone in your life to understand and be supportive, but they aren't all like they don't all know what's going on. And mm. I like that he's got Deanna who knows what he's going through and trying to help him. But his boss just kind of thinks he's a screw up and a jerk and doesn't get it. And yeah. that that's realistic when you're dealing with this kind of thing. I like that they threw in a guy who just doesn't understand what's going on. And he's not inherently a dick. He just doesn't get it. And I like that. No, and he actually he tries to, like, you know, give him an olive branch at one point. You know, like, come to yeah, dinner. Yeah, but he's like, come to dinner you're scared and to up with my wife's sister. You're scared to socialize. How about I send you on a blind date? Like, oh, God, what? No. Uh, what are you talking about? Like, he thinks he's helping, but he's it, that's, yeah. that's terrifying. You know what I mean? Like, but I like that. That was very realistic to me that there's this guy who's not, like, evil. Mm-hmm. He just doesn't get what's what's wrong with this yeah. guy, you know? I like that, too. That's like a classic coworker. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, hey, like come I over said, and do this thing. we all have that, I'm sure. Yeah, that's, like, terrible for you, but these quote-unquote normal people that I hang out with would enjoy it. Come on, yeah. dummy. Normal people do this shit all the time. Get your crap together. Oh. I, I've had bosses like that. Like, I've had... I, I have performed basically the same way at two similar jobs, and one boss didn't get my issues and wrote me up for stuff, and the other one took me aside and said, hey, you seem to be going through some stuff. Why don't I help you with that? And it just makes an amazing difference. You yeah. know what I mean? Like... I think there's something about this episode that is so fucking relatable. Oh, yeah. It's bonkers. Well, that's and the like, thing. And that's why Matt's always like Barkley is because on paper, he's very relatable. It's yeah. just some of the way the actor plays him isn't. It's always been important to me. I mean, the yeah. fact that we can get to the future and we still haven't cured this crap is kind of discouraging. But uh... yeah, but we got people like Counselor Troy looking out for us, at least. No, that's true. And I got to say, some of the stuff she did really good, like. At no point does she ever judge him directly. She never looks him in the eye and says, you're doing something wrong. She always leads him to the answer and always makes him figure it out for himself. And I like that. It was good counseling. I like his, um, I'm not, I have not become a hollow addict again. Okay. All right. Yeah. But she never, she never points a finger. Mm -hmm. She always like leads him to the answer. And that's like, that's good. She's been his therapist for fucking years now. Like, (laughs) yeah. She she knows how this shit works. Yep. Absolutely. Red I, I, I thought I it was file on you, and it ain't small. I thought it was a good use of the guest star. Mm-hmm. Like I thought, you know, like it wasn't. It didn't feel like a gimmick. It felt like yeah, she absolutely like if he's having like uh you know if he's regressing like she's the she it makes the most sense for her, like him to talk to her. Yeah. I like that. I I even like how they did like their conversation playing into the flashbacks. Yeah, um, the whole and then breaking back to their conversation. Mm -hmm. I thought even that was done well. Yeah, I agree. That was very well written. It had a really good flow, and like I had the same bad thing of of not particularly liking Reg's performance. mm -hmm. But honestly, there is nothing else about that episode that I dislike other than his performance. He was hard to watch. Yeah, have his like. His because his anxiety level was so far in like up there. It's like he googled anxiety and did all the symptoms. Yep. Yeah. At then once. When he, but again, he never studied anyone who actually had them. He yeah. just read about it somewhere. No, yeah, or he, like the way in which they ebb and flow and build and and digress yeah. and mm-hmm. all that kind of thing. And that's stuttering. Yeah. When oh the when he speaks out to the admiral like in front of his boss, I'm just sitting there cringing. Yeah. Like, please stop. Oh my god, no. It's like you're watching the British office. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, 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 stop. What, what, why is this scene going on forever? 
But yeah, see, I, I cringed a lot watching him and watching his because there's a couple scenes that are really zoomed in on his face and his facial expressions, and I'm mm-hmm. just like, I have to look away right now. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. Yeah. No, I like I say, if he if he just played it a little like on paper, this was pretty much perfect. Like mm-hmm. it's it's it del- it moves the whole show forward at the same time. It's a little bit of fan service, giving us some guys we remember from the other show, but it also doesn't feel like it's all about them. Like it's it's a perfect balance of stuff that's important to Voyager, but also stuff that's important to all of Star Trek. And yeah, I, I like that. I was amazed at how much I liked an episode that did not have Seven of Nine at all. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I, that was one thing I really liked is everything he sees in his uh, holographic version of Voyager is based on Starfleet's records before they left, like mm-hmm. when they went to the Badlands. All the Maquis guys are dressed in their shitty Maquis costumes. Super uh, shitty. Kate's got her uh, terrible hair up in a bun, like from the pilot. Like everybody looks the way they did five years ago because that's what their records say. And that was a nice little detail that they never called out. He doesn't know who Neelix is. Like he knows the name Neelix because they sent a message through that array one time, mm-hmm. but he doesn't know what Neelix looks like. Cause they've never seen Neelix. Like they've never seen seven of nine. They never knew Kess was a thing. You know what I mean? Like all those, all that information they didn't have. Mm-hmm. So it's all built on Voyager from what they thought from five years ago, which I really like. He has no idea who he's named his cat after. That's no, probably for he, the best. Let's be honest. Like they heard the name Neelix in that one message they sent a couple of years ago. And that's it. Yeah, oddly enough, it was someone saying, please get us away from Neelix. (laughs) (laughs) What have you guys discovered there? Well, some good things, but also the Kazon and Neelix. Stay away. Uh, The Delta Quadrant sucks. (laughs) I mean, we thought it was going to be crawling with Borg, and it is, but that's not the worst thing we found here. No, I would happily replace Neelix and the Kazon with more Borg, please. Yep. Speaking of Neelix, Mm -hmm. totally forgot to mention this. There's a scene where <laughs> Seven uh, Seven tells uh, Neelix that he's terrible at singing and that it's a waste of her time to teach him how to sing. Oh, Caitlin, well, you have quote, right, stumbled man? upon my quote, so... I'm ready for my lesson. I've concluded that teaching you to sing is an inefficient use of my time. But I, uh, I've, I've been practicing. In your case, practice is irrelevant. Your vocal cords are incapable of producing basic diatonic tones, not to mention your rhythmic shortcomings. That sounds so good in the sonic shower. Perhaps you should confine your efforts to that location. Oh my god, I laughed so hard. That, oh my, that made me laugh so much. Yep. I rewinded and watched it again. Well, it's it's great when Tuvok tries to... You, you realize that he actually does diplomatically shoot him down sometimes, and mm. Seven didn't even tr- barely... Tr- like, just, no, you are a waste of my time. Go away. I have concluded oh that teaching you to sing is a waste of my time. Yep. She's like, yeah, I thought about it, and fuck you. <laughs> oh, I, liked I that, love it. I liked that most of this episode focused on uh, Reg, and then near the end we shift... Like we switch around to Voyager so we can see what like what it looks like from their end, and that's when we get that. Like mm-hmm. that that was a cool choice, I thought. I because so we too. did get seven in that one bit, like when we suddenly shift to their side. So. Yeah, I almost forgot about it. Like teeny tiny little uh yeah. character moment. No, it was great. Awesome. Oh yes. Yeah. Actually, what I thought was another great character moment, this was a little meta, but near the beginning, um Reg is babbling on about engineering crap and Deanna just stares at him like, what, what do you, is that, are those words? And 
<laughs> Marina Sirtis famously is one of like there, there's a handful of Star Trek guys who hate the techno babble, and she's one of the ones that just can't stand it. And I thought it was a nice little meta thing where he's going on and on, and she's like, "Uh huh, you can that, stop that's talking nice. now." I think I don't care about any of that. I like it too because I don't think there's that many people on Voyager who are not like super sciencey, so nobody ever yeah. really calls that stuff out. Every they kind now of like. And then- Every now and then you'll get other. Tom stuck between like uh, I love it when there's a scene with Tom and then like uh, Janeway and Seven and Balana and the three chicks are just like sciencing all over the place and he's like duh I'm a pilot <laughs> <laughs> yeah I was just thinking like I think Paris is the only person who can't quite keep up with all the en- engineering science folks yep. but almost everybody else usually like keeps up pretty quick because most of the people that are in the main part of the cast are like yeah. really science oriented well she's a science captain and she keeps people like her close I think yeah so. and Chuck disagrees with everything so uh, yeah loaf of bread <laughs> that's that's sticking you know that right? Like, it's it's forever his name in my mind yeah i'm keeping that barely even toasted loaf of bread <laughs> <laughs> no it's still it's still doughy it's still it's soft doughy. in bits yeah I, it's I'm not it doesn't have that crispy crust on the on the no. top that kind of like like flakes off as you cut it no no it no. doesn't have that i i keep nope. picturing just like a loaf of bread sticking out of the top of a, of a red starfleet uniform yeah maybe with yeah the that's how he looks to me Maybe with the tattoo added on in currants. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gross. Even grosser. Uh-huh. Yep. Who That's eats currants? Right. <laughs> my dad's British, so. Oh. <laughs> my mom's from the South, and we used to eat those as a child. Mm. And they're gross. They look like bugs. Oh, yeah. I don't know what they are, because I'm not from either of those places. Uh, Just gross things people use to ruin perfectly good bread. Yeah, but Matt, like you think you literally reasons. think everything is gross. I so. do think everything is gross. I think literally everything around me is disgusting. So yeah, there are raisins that are the size of and look like ants. Oh, that sounds fine. So if you want to eat ant raisins, <laughs> I kind of buy do. currants. Al, your ant raisins is here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's one more thing near the end. Um, so uh, Reg finally decides to take his boss up on uh, the the blind date offer. And goes out with her. And at the end of the episode, he tells Deanna, yeah, we went on a date. Her name is Hope. Like, that was that was a bit cheesy. <laughs> no, thank Couldn't you. Couldn't she just be Charlotte or something? Yeah, exactly. Like, Hope. Because get it? Because Voyager has Hope now. Come on. That was a little too too much. And, and maybe there's hope for Reginald's love life. Yeah, maybe. This hope may be bringing an end to your trek through the stars. Ah. Terrible. You might say that each and every one of us is a Star Trek Voyager. <laughs> Man, all these Star Treks. <laughs> also, near the end, uh, uh, there's the bit where he's locked out of the lab, and he breaks into the lab to do to continue doing the work that he's forbidden to do. And it just reminded me, if this is a superhero movie, this is obviously where he becomes a supervillain, because that is the supervillain origin of every supervillain in every movie ever. I'll just use my special metal octopus arms to finish the problem and contact Voyager. Yeah. Oh no, Mr. Wayne, I need to get back into my research. <laughs> no, thank you. He's going to spill some potion on himself. Yep. Something. And then something crazy is going to happen. Not enough people in Star Trek have to deal with potions. (laughs) I wish there was more potions in Star Trek. I don't. Don't. You bite your tongue. You just bite your damn tongue. If we could have potions to set a techno babble on the occasion, it might be fun. I I mean, they kind of already do. 
They kind of just do magic and then say a bunch of nonsense words and make you think it's science, but it's not. <laughs> and technology. Yes, yeah. this is science and technology. Uh-huh. Not magic. magic. Definitely not magic. It's very different. Yeah. All right. Anything else? Mm, no. Caitlin? Um, the only other thing is I really, really liked... It's a little tiny thing, but at the very end, um, when they're all toasting Reg and he doesn't even know it, mm-hmm. something about that makes me happy in my heart. That like Reg did his thing and he feels good about it, and he doesn't even know that they all all those people that he's been fantasizing hanging out with are actually, actually toasting him by cool. name. Yeah. And I think that's really sweet because it's not really a payoff for him. He doesn't get the glory. Right. For himself, but he does get to be appreciated by the people that he really appreciates, which is that's, the Voyager crew. That's true. Although that said, the doctor, like nobody knows who he is. And the doctor says, oh, I've looked in his medical file. Now let me tell you all about his medical file. <laughs> the doctor doesn't know what HIPAA is. I guess not. I guess. Confidentiality. I guess. Meh. Yeah. Like First, and they've mentioned it a bunch of times that there is doctor patient confidentiality mm-hmm. in the future, but uh, not here, I guess. First, do no harm. Second, blab about it to everybody. Yeah, look, if the dude lives far away, you can talk about whatever oh, you yeah. want. That the doctor's sense. a gossip whore. Everyone knows. Uh-huh. All right. Well, Caitlin, as ever, it's a delight, and mm-hmm. I'm sure you'll be along again for the next big 7 of 9 episode, so look forward to that. Woohoo! Speaking of uh, thematically appropriate guests... Next week, our friend Irish Gav will be joining us for what I am told is the worst Irish episode in Star Trek history. Damn. <laughs> that is a high bar to clear after some of the ones we've seen. <laughs> Let's all but take a I moment told... to reflect on how the how well the Star Trek has treated the Irish over the years. Uh, from from day one. Mm-hmm. Just Gene had a problem with the Irish and that never went away. Mm-hmm. And if Cole Meany wasn't looking out for them on, on DS9, it would have gone bad there, too. But uh, yeah, Fairhaven is next week. Irish Gav is joining us for that. This is this is one of those, and I hope it lives up to its terrible reputation because it's one of those like uh, threshold that everyone says is just like the worst thing ever. And I kind of look forward to those because it's going to be so bad. It's funny. I hope. Good. Good. <laughs> bad, like that's that is much more preferable to me than just boring. <clears throat> so, looking forward to that. All right. Uh, see you, folks. The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2017. Please don't sue us. We're, we're, we're still just doing this.